0: Are listening to the podcast Ministry of Portadown Independent Methodist Church. We welcome you and thank you for joining us. We trust that you are blessed by the ministry of God's Word today. If you have your Bible, With you this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 7 is where we are returning to. Seems like quite a long time since we have been here, but uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 18. Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, "'Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house?' that thou hast brought me hitherto. And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant, for thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel? whom God went to redeem for a people to himself and to make him a name and to do for you great things and terrible and for thy lamb before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God." And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said, and let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. Therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God and thy words be true. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. In preparing for this message this morning, I read a little illustration that definitely struck a chord with me, and uh, it may not strike a chord with all of you, but for some uh, it will. And it is what happens whenever you are sitting at a set of traffic lights and they are red, But you are not the first car there in the line. There is one car or a couple of cars in front of you. And let's say that you are in a hurry. Maybe you are late to get somewhere. And you're uh, somewhat agitated by the desire to get to where you are going as promptly as possible. And so when this light turns green you are ready for all systems go. I mean, green means go, and you're ready to go, but the car in front of you, the person has slightly different notions. And it takes a little while for them to process, for it to go green, and then for them to process it, and for them to translate that into... Uh, getting uh, their foot on the accelerator and in those moments that you're sitting there I, I think we know what it is to feel a response within our hearts um, that, that, that it's time to go and when they're green and maybe, maybe they still sit there and this is we're literally talking a matter of seconds here but at some point you begin to think should I respond to this should I, should I indicate to them that it's gone? Maybe, maybe they're not paying attention. And I do want to be kind after all to the people that are behind us. And so maybe you do respond and you let them know, you know, the light is green and it's time to go. Now, in, in all of that there, uh, there may have been a period of five or six seconds that, that really is nothing in the grand scheme of this journey that you are making but, but it, is, it only takes really quite small things to get us to this moment of response, especially if you're in a hurry, you're trying to get somewhere, and you have a deadline to be there. Even a small delay like that can provoke a response, and you might actually indicate to them that, in all kindness, and in, in, uh, in all kindness to them and to the people behind, you might indicate that it's time for us to move on. And the point of the illustration really was that it is amazing what we respond to. It is amazing how small of a thing will bring us to a point of response. That, that literally was a matter of seconds and, and we, we, we felt the, the delay and we, we were brought to a moment and we decided this is worthy of me responding to this and it doesn't take much at all. The same thing can be true in many ways. You might see something somewhere, or you might hear something on the news, or you might observe someone doing something. And it will bring you to a decision that that is worthy of a response. Maybe you'll, you'll be meeting with somebody later and you'll say, did you hear about that? Or, or you'll say, did you see what I saw? And then out of, out of really quite a small issue, you will maybe find quite a long conversation that you have. And, and you're discussing it and you're thinking about it. And, and it really was a very, very small and a minor thing that provoked really quite a significant response. You might have talked for five minutes about it. You might have talked for 10 minutes about it. You might have talked for half an hour about it, but it was a small thing that provoked really quite a significant response. It really does not take much at all to get us to respond with our words or with our actions or with something. Until sometimes it comes to us praising God. Until it comes to us praising God. And sometimes it can take so much. Our, our hearts can be like a big ship on the ocean. And they're, they're kind of going in a direction. And to get them turned into this, this attitude of praise and this, 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 this desire to glorify God and to worship God and to delight our hearts in God, that can seem like it takes a lot. Our hearts can be slow to turn whenever it comes to praising God. Now earlier in 2 Samuel chapter 7, if you remember, David had wanted to build God a house. David felt this tension within his heart that the Ark of the Covenant, where God's presence dwells on earth, is inside a tent and David was living in a plush and in a permanent house and he desired that God would have a house on earth to dwell in. And God's response was to say essentially, no, thank you, David, to the house as far as you building it. But instead, God made a covenant with David promising that David's house or his family would be established forever and forever and forever. A descendant of David's, a a descendant of David's would sit on the throne for eternity. One of David's descendants, not, not his son, not his grandson, but if you go down the line a little bit, one of David's descendants would sit on the throne and he would sit there for eternity. And his rule would never end. And the accomplishments of this descendant are, are impossible for us to describe. And the way that he blesses humanity, we cannot put into words. And so that's what God has told David is going to happen. And it's now in these verses that David is reacting to this. David is responding to God's kindness. And we see here what he does in verse number, uh, in verse number 18. It says, Then went King David in, and he sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I? O Lord God. Now, here is David reacting or responding to the kindness of God. And David's reaction here is to leave wherever he was, wherever Nathan the prophet had conveyed this message from God. David leaves there and he makes his way into the tabernacle to meet with God. This is David going out of his way to say, what I have just heard from God demands a response, and the suitable response is, I want to get close to God in this sense. I want to come into the tabernacle, and I want to sit there before the Lord. I want to sit in His presence. I want to be with God. Now David doesn't say, after Nathan has has given him this message, David doesn't say, Nathan, pull up a chair and let's discuss the kindness of God. That would have been a good thing to do and maybe he did it, but that's not his priority. David says, I want to get a chair and I want to bring it into God's presence and I want to sit before God and I want to praise him directly for what he has just said to me through this prophet. And so if somebody had seen David perhaps carrying his chair into the tabernacle, and they say, David, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to meet with God. And if it's, why are you going there? And his answer would have been, I I hardly even know how to tell you why I'm going, but but I suppose the word for it is praise. My, My heart is so full that I have to respond to what God has just done for me. I have to react to this. I I have to respond. And and there is a closeness here. He comes to God to be in the presence of God, to address God with his thanksgiving and with his praise and with his adoration. Not only is there a closeness, but there is a slowness. It tells us here that he sits down. Now, this does... Confuse some people. This was not a normal posture to have in the tabernacle. You didn't normally sit down in the tabernacle. You might have been standing or kneeling, but here David comes and he sits down. Does remind us of Hebrews 11 or 10 uh, 11, where it tells us the priests never sat down because their work of making sacrifices was never done. But here David as king, does sit down in the tabernacle, and while his praises will never be done, I, I think perhaps there is something to this of, of the slowness of David's praise. David says, I'm I'm not going here for one minute, I'm not going here for five minutes, I don't know how long I'll be here, but there's going to be a slowness to this, because there there, there is a, a suitable response, God has spoken words of such kindness, that I'm going to go close to him, if you like, to respond to him, and there's going to be a slowness to this. This isn't a fleeting priest while he's you know, brushing his hair in the morning. God, thank you for what you said through the prophet. And that was very kind. And now I've got kingly business to do. No, the, the, David says, I'm bringing my chair. This is going to take a while. And I'm going to warm the chair. I'm going to be there in the presence of God for a significant amount of time. Because how could I not after all of the kindness that God has shown to me? Years ago, some of you may remember hearing this quote, Uh, there was a journalist who questioned a very famous cyclist about uh, his performance on some stage, I think it was of the Tour de France, and uh, there were suspicions that that the performance was not entirely legitimate and and the, the cyclist responded and said, extraordinary allegations require extraordinary evidence. And David's heart has something of this in it extraordinary kindness requires extraordinary praise. And God has been extraordinarily kind to David. Your house is going to be established forever. One of your descendants is going to be the Messiah who sits on the throne and rules from the throne eternally. One of your descendants of David, this extraordinary kindness calls for extraordinary praise. I'm going to leave what I'm doing and I'm going to go for the singular purpose of praising God. I'm going to go close and it's going to be slow. I'm, I'm going to give God my praise? And it stirs this question in my heart and perhaps in yours as well. This is an honest question that does call for an honest answer. How long since you have warmed a seat with your praises to God? You've sat down and you says, God, I'm here and I'm here to praise you. I'm here to thank you. And I'm not in a hurry. I, 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 David does ask for, for God to keep his promises, kind of a, a, a reaction to them that, that is, that is Some of God, I, I, you've promised this. I, I know you're going to do it. I, I ask you to fulfill it. But, but his purpose here is praise. How long since you have warmed a seat, you've sat for long enough to say, God, your extraordinary kindness to me, Calls for a reaction, it calls for a response, calls for extraordinary praise. And you've pulled and you say, God, I'm, I'm here to give you my undivided attention, and it is to give you thanks and to give you praise and to give you honor for all that you have done for me. Now it is true that the Psalms don't record all of the prayers David ever prayed. We read the Psalms that God has inspired and included. In his word, and we are reminded, and we've seen already in David's life that there are times of lament. There are times when even as God's people we feel buried under a pile of burdens that are very heavy and there is, a, there is a language of lament and there is a time for lament and actually the largest category of psalms are psalms of lament. In this fallen world there will always be burdens that, that, are, that are pressing down on us and always be times when it seems like God isn't keeping his promises and, and, and David laments and David brings this to God and and you might be there this morning even as a child of God. There are, there are psalms of petition where David offers prayers, longing that God would lift these burdens and longing that he would lift them quickly. And, and the psalms give us a language and, and show us that, that there's nothing wrong with petition. Petition is a part of our coming to God and he invites us to come and to make our petitions known unto him. But in this fallen world, our prayer list will never be empty. Our pain will never be far away. Petition will always have a place. And that might be where you are this morning. But, but, the, but this chapter and the Psalms remind us that, that, that there is a place for praise. That There is a... There is a, this praise is something of a of a unique reaction of the reality that we have met with God and that we have known His grace even in our lives and here even in the lament David David gets to. Times when he feels at the start of a psalm, I'm piled under a pile of burdens that are so heavy that I hardly know how to pray. And yet here he feels like he's lying under a pile of gifts that are so large that he struggles to find words to describe them. And and this this awareness of God's grace to David, God's kindness to David, even becomes his confidence whenever he is feeling under the burdens, when he thinks of the gifts and the goodness of God to him. And so this morning, there there, there, there is a language of lament that we know as God's people. There's a language of petition, but mingled in through it, David has this language of praise. It's awareness of God's goodness and God's kindness to him. Now we see David go in and he sits down. He says, God has been so good. I'm going to go directly to him and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to give him praise. And now look at how he begins here whenever he begins to praise. Verse 18, he said to God, who am I? O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hither to? When David walks into the tabernacle, we know that he's going to praise. But when he opens his mouth here, we see what is happening in his heart. And what is happening in David's heart is wonder. He is experiencing this surprise, this amazement, this delight at what God has done for him. Who am I, O Lord God, that you have brought me this far? Who am I that you have done all of this for me? I was a little unknown shepherd boy alone on the roaming fields. I was taking care of my dad's sheep. i have been scorned by my brothers. And if someone had told David at that point, you will be a king one day, he would have thought that is absurd. That is genuinely absurd. And then Samuel showed up and anointed him As king and if we were to say to David, How did this rise in your life happen? How did you go from a shepherd boy to being king? How do you explain that? David would say, That's the point, that that's that's where the wonder comes from. It, it wasn't my efforts, it wasn't my strategy, it wasn't my planning, it wasn't my idea. If somebody had suggested that, I would have said, that is such an absurd notion that that would never even have presented, if that had presented itself, I would have thought it so absurd, I wouldn't even have contemplated. And David, That's what's happening to me in the presence of God. It's wonder, it's delight, it's surprise. Who am I, God, that you've done all of this for me? so if we said, David, how did this happen? David's answer here is given to us in his very words of verse 18. He says, thou hast brought me hitherto. God, this was your doing. It was you that sent Samuel to anoint me. It was you that endued me in that moment with the ability to do what I have done. It is you that has given everything that I have to me. Back in verse 8, God said, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be the ruler over my people. And in verse 21, David says, For thy word's sake and according to thine own heart hast thou done all these great things. And this is the wonder of it all. It, it's, it, this is the amazing thing to David that, that little David has been on the receiving end of so much unmerited kindness from the hand of the infinite God. And that is what is producing this wonder in the heart of David. Who am I, Lord, that you have brought me thus far? This is, this is amazing to David. I was a, a nobody out. And even my brother scorned me. I was the young. The, the, there was nothing. God, this was your kindness that has done this for me. Somebody tells of the portrait that was uh, painted of the principal of Ridley Hall in Cambridge. And whenever the portrait was unveiled, the man whose portrait it was Uh, made this comment about it. He said, in future years, people will not ask who is that man in the portrait, but who painted the portrait. In other words, the painting was so good that, that, that people wouldn't be struck with who was painted, but with the painting itself. And as David sits in the presence of God, David would say it it, it would be absurd for anybody to think, isn't David a great person? No, what we need to think of is who made David a great person? And David says, it was the hand of God. And this wonder is what fills David's heart. You can search through this praise that David offers here and you will search in vain for a syllable of boasting For a syllable of self congratulation, he singles out God and he says, God, you are worthy of exclusive praise here. Who am I? I was a nobody and you did this, God, and all of the glory belongs to you. And he says, Who am I that you have brought me hitherto? To this point. Now, instead of me sleeping in a tent out on the hills, I sit in a palace in Jerusalem. You did that, God. This fortress city as we saw a number of weeks ago that had been held for hundreds of years after Israel had entered Canaan. No one had conquered it, but God through David broke through and they did conquer it and now David dwells in Jerusalem and he now even sits in the tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant right there. He has his plush house. 12 tribes support him. His enemies fear him and David is saying, who did this? And the answer is, you did it, God. And this drives his wonder through the roof. To David, whenever David goes into the tabernacle and he begins to count his blessings, he's thinking, this is ridiculous. This is, this is absurd that God has done all of this for me. If you were given a blank page this morning and asked to write down what more God would need to do for David, for him to come in and sit down and warm a seat, In the tabernacle to give God praise, your page would be blank. God has done so much for David that we say, David, you did the right thing. How could you have done anything else? David is responding, reacting to the kindness of God. And he goes in and he says, God, my heart is filled with wonder. Who am I that here now I sit in the tabernacle and you've built me a beautiful house, and you've conquered Jerusalem, and you've subdued our enemies. God, it's wonder, it's amazement, it's surprise that you have showered all of these gifts upon me. But look at what David says in verse 19. He says, and this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. David's wonder here really goes off into orbit and he is lost for words. He'll say in verse 20, what can David say more unto thee? He is lost for words because David realizes what God has done for me to date is small in comparison to what he has just promised to do. He said, everything that you have done for me so far, God, I mean, the, the, the tabernacle here and the palace and Jerusalem and the subduing of our enemies, all of that is but a small thing in comparison to what you have promised to do in the future. It's like there's a timeline in David's mind. He's put his finger on the past when he was a shepherd boy. He's run his finger to the present whenever he is king over Jerusalem. But as he moves his finger into the future, he is lost for words. The future outshines all of this. The past and the present are like a little candle in comparison to the rising of the sun of what the future holds. Thou hast spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come. A descendant is going to be born who is going to be a king who is going to destroy enemies far greater than than his enemies at that moment, going to destroy sin and death and hell and the grave. He is going to bless the world in this way. And so David is this moment when his wonder kind of goes off into orbit. God, when I counted your blessings, they were so big that you were worthy of so much praise and now this the future outshines everything so David finds himself sitting in the presence of God and he says God this this is going to take some time for me to give you praise I will praise you to others. I will praise you to my family. I will praise you in the congregation. I will praise you to the nation. But first, I come and I give you praise and slow praise because I don't even know how to describe the wonder and the praise of everything that you have done. And we could say to each one this morning, here who is a child of God, we too have reason, do we not? to warm a seat by sitting for a long time and giving praise to God? What happens to us when we put our finger on the timeline of our own life? This descendant of David's has come. This descendant of David's has slain Our enemies, our enemies of sin and of hell and of death and the grave. This king, this descendant has come and he has suffered and he has bled and he has died in agony to slay and to conquer our enemies. We should have faced judgment and death and hell for eternity. We should have and we would have if this king had not arrived and fought on our behalf against them and single handedly defeated them through his life and his death and his resurrection. And so when you and I go back and we ask ourselves, who was I when the Holy Spirit came in convicting and in drawing power? Who were we at that point? When the eternal and the infinite God came to seek and to save that which was lost. We were spiritual beggars. We were paupers. We were dead in our trespasses. And who were we? We were nothing. We were worthless. We were wretches, spiritually speaking. And listen to how Paul puts it in Titus 3. We ourselves were sometimes at one point foolish, disobedient, deceived, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Who were we when Christ died to atone for our sins? We were sinners and we were enemies and we were rebels and we were worthless. It's amazing the grace that saved a wretch like you and a wretch like me. And I ask this morning, does your heart still feel this wonder? Who am I, God, that you have brought me this far? Do you, as the words of the hymn writer say, put it, stand amazed? Do you stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love you, a sinner condemned and unclean? And then we think in our own way of humanly thinking of the millions of people around the globe this morning who've never even one time heard the good news of the gospel. And we heard it time after time after time. And we would say with all respect to David, David, if you felt like you needed to make a beeline to be close to God, to have a closeness and to have a slowness in your praise, then how much more do we in all of God, all that God has done for us? Who am I that you have brought me hitherto? And now, child of God, by his grace, you've been made a joint heir with the Lord Jesus, a joint heir. With the Lord Jesus and according to Ephesians 2 he has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ he's not going to do that he has done that he has made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and he welcomes us to come with boldness into the very throne room of the universe And and we we sit and we begin to count these blessings and, and there is wonder and there is delight and there is surprise. God, how do we explain this? And the answer is, you've brought us this far. And when we run our finger from the past into the present and then into the future, everything to date is but a small thing in comparison to the future. The past in our lives is but a candle. Compared to the future which is like a sun burning in all of its glory. For you and I have this promise that he has gone to prepare a place for us. Not only did he rescue us from hell, but he is preparing a place for us in heaven. And whenever we begin to explore in the scriptures the reality of the future of the new heavens and the new earth and a glorified body, we can begin to say like David, David, we we need a seat. We need a seat because we need to sit in the presence of God and give him thanks and wonder and amazement for everything that he has done surely we can easily imagine how when David got up off of his chair here in the tabernacle and he left that he wasn't done with his praising, surely at lunch or at dinner he was still praising God to his family. Surely when he met people, what they heard was praise. David, why are you so worked up about praise? Because God has just showered me with Undeserved kindness, and if I began to tell you what he's done, you would think it was a large thing, and it is a large thing, but in comparison to what he's going to do, it is a small thing. One of my descendants is going to be the king who rules forever. David's time spent praising God in the presence of God would surely have spilled over into praising him to others. If I was to give you a piece of paper, This morning, child of God, and to ask you to write down on it, what more does God need to do to be worthy of praise? What more does God need to do to be worthy of praise? Wouldn't all of our pieces of paper be blank? God will yet, by his grace, gift us more things that we don't deserve But what he has already done, what he has already done, deserves this response and this reaction of praise. And as we spend time in God's presence, would that our families heard from our lips praise. Would that our work colleagues heard from our lips praise. Would that our neighbors, whenever they met us, heard from our lips praise because of all that God has done for us. And this brings us to our conclusion this morning. For David has gone in and David has given his praises to God. And yet what he says here is really wonderful. He says, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee according to all that we have heard with our ears. Somebody has said that every blessing is, we we could think of it like a, a sun ray that falls on our skin and warms our skin and we can trace that ray all the way back to the blazing sun itself and every blessing that we receive, we can trace it to its source at the heart of God and David traces these blessings all the way back to the heart of God. And David says, God, if you have given me gifts that are this good and you've given me being so gracious, then what must your heart be like, God, for you to bestow all of this unmerited favor on someone like me? And he reaches this conclusion, God, you are great, O Lord God. There is none like you, neither is there any God beside you. Whenever our eyes Gaze on God's nature and on God's heart. We find an infinite source of delight that is worthy of endless, endless praise. And David does this right. David receives this gift from God and he says, God, I've got to trace the gift back to the giver. And he goes into the tabernacle and he traces it all the way to the heart of God. And he says, God, in your heart, you are great and you are gracious and you are good. And he finds a source of infinite delight. We might say if there is a closeness and a slowness to David's praise here, There is also a pureness. Out of David's heart there arises pure and fervent and ardent praise and worship. There is none like unto thee, O God. Let thy name be magnified forever and ever. Here David has got all the way back to the nature and the heart and the character of God. And he is now full, full of Praise, and there is none like you, O God. Let your name be magnified forever. Each word that emerges out of David's heart is loaded with adoration, and we could say this surely is a sweet-smelling and a pleasing aroma to God. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, praises to him. So this is the beautiful place that as children of God, we have all been to. God, your, your gifts are amazing, but when I trace them to your heart, There is no words to describe and and we extol and we worship and we praise with our lips and with our lives. There is none like unto thee. The song, the singer George Beverly Shea sang these words. There's the wonder of sunset at evening, the wonder at sunrise I see. But the wonder of wonders that thrills my soul is the wonder that God loves me. So this morning, child of God, we have in this a beautiful picture of how we ought to respond and react to the kindness of God. It amazes me in my own heart how small something has to be for me to React to it or to respond to it or to talk about it. And yet, here is God who has bestowed, he has snowed us under with spiritual blessings, and we can still be at the bottom of the pile, snowed under with blessings, and not say, I need to get a seat and I need to sit down and I need to warm that seat giving God praise for all that he has done. It reminds me, I may have shared this before, a preacher I heard in the States years ago who would have his devotions, I, whatever part of the day it was and for however long it was before he had to leave and go on to the next thing and he would do this daily and he resolved that he was going to spend the first half of that time only praising God. I wasn't gonna ask God for a single thing I'm going to spend the first half praising God. And he said it was amazing how long it took, really, to acquire this habit because he'd be thank God for this, thank God for this, and instinctively he'd be asking God for something before he knew it. But here, child of God, we see David showered with blessings and David says, I'm going to be close to God to give God slow praise and I'm going to stay there until it is pure praise, until I've I've worshipped and I have adored and I have offered him the sweet-smelling aroma of praise and of gratitude. And then surely whenever he left, that aroma was still with him wherever he went. And the challenge that comes to us is how long since we warmed a seat, with sitting long enough to praise our God. And if it has been a while, I think we would all acknowledge it's not that he hasn't done enough. It's not that he needs to do just one more thing to tip the scales and then he would be worthy. No, when we count our blessings, he is worthy of our praise even now. Once again, thank you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, visit our website, portadineimc.org, or find us on Facebook at portadineimc. God bless.